Welcome to an edition of the Evan Roberts podcast I didn't think would happen. It is the morning after. The morning after everything changed. Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted yesterday that Kevin Durant is coming to Brooklyn, and we have brought together a net fan roundtable to discuss our emotions. We have a very special guest, a guy I listened to his podcast along with his co-host Brian. That's Mike from the Glue Guys. Thank you very much for walking over and joining us here in the Mike Francesa studio. Absolute honor. Listening to you for years and thinking about the Nets in all of these years and wondering, you know, where this team was going to go, thinking all the way back years ago. And now just sit here with you on this glorious morning here in New York. It's it's incredible. Like, honestly, the emotion of it is it's almost indescribable. I know there's a lot to do here and there's a lot more. Durant's not going to probably play this year, but just just to think about the emotion of the fact that those two guys, Kyrie and KD, are coming to Brooklyn, it's phenomenal. It dude. doesn't feel real would be the way I define it. Here is Mike Baseglia, the producer of Moose and the Taz on the CBS Sports Radio Network. Uh, I'm sorry, Taz and the Moose. I have to get that right. I want to start with you, Baseglia, and I'll get to me and I'll get to Mike. Did you think this was going to happen? And here's the caveat here. Did you think it was going to happen? And are you on board? Because this was not the slam dunk we would have thought five months ago when Kevin Durant was healthy. Okay? Things have changed over the last few weeks. I'll explain my evolution. How about you? Did I think it was going to happen? Deep, deep, deep down inside, yes. And I felt it. But I was too scared to say it. And I was also just weary of everything never going right. So I gave off the the vibe of oh he'll be a Nick he'll go he'll go stay with the Warriors but deep down inside when I when there was the commitment from Kyrie I said to myself these two guys have been talking for a while mm. these two guys want to play together Kyrie's coming to the Nets and then Kyrie in my opinion became the the pitch to KD and said come here do this um I do think the injury somehow impacted what happened. I do think there is something to that, and the fact that he got hurt may have hurt the chances of other teams, and I think it ultimately helped the Nets. Am I on board now? One hundred percent. When I first what, cha- saw- what changed though for you? Because I've evolved over three weeks, and I'll explain my thinking later. But what has committed you to saying "eff it, let's go"? Well, when it first happened, we saw the injury, we heard the news, I was like, "All right, Kevin Dur- Kevin Durant's out for the year." It's like, "Oh, I can't bring him onto this roster." Who knows if he'll be healthy? You don't know what guys are like after this injury. He might never be the same guy. We're going to throw out, throw around all this money. You can't do that. And as time went by, I just started to tell myself, this team is in a position where if they were to add somebody like him, it's a gamble you have to take because if he's 80% of himself, the Nets can win an NBA title. And I said, you know what? If it doesn't work out, he's a shell of himself. The money's not right. It didn't work. You know what? Nets didn't win. But if it does... This this is a team that can compete for titles, and I, you you have to take the risk. Are you on board, glue guy, Mike? I almost don't want to. So the the way we're talking right now, and we're talking about the possibility that this doesn't work out, that would you be, don't want to think that yet. That would be. I, th- I mean, what a, what a Nets podcast that this would be that we're already talking about the depression of this fan base. Yeah, the, fa- the fact that so yes, there's a percentage that this may not work out, and that would be the ultimate gut punch because the Nets and the Knicks specifically if both signed players who weren't 100% healthy when they got to this team. 
And if KD doesn't work out and they wasted all this money and Kyrie becomes poisonous in the locker room, gosh, you can well, see but, that but scenario. But I know. But I know. wait a second. You've laid out worst case scenario. Right. It not working out can be defined by what? Because to me, I want an NBA championship. Now, they could go to three straight NBA finals, lose all three of them to the Lakers. Does that mean it didn't work out? To me, I'd say it didn't work out, even if we had a lot of excitement for three years. So the definition of working out is a parade down Flatbush. That's a high bar. That's not a disaster losing in the NBA Finals. But to me, working out is winning it all. I I agree that winning the title is the ultimate goal, but that that would be more on the Lakers pulling off the coup to get Kawhi. Well, I don't and know LeBron. if that's who they're losing so I can't, to. I, you know, if that, if that were to happen, I would say, you know what? All right. It wasn't a, the trade was perfect. Unfortunately, the Lakers were just a little bit better and was uh, bad timing ultimately. But I can't, you know, I don't think that makes it a failure. I think if they're a second-round team and they can't get well, past that, then it is. it's not the disaster. You know, you describe, Mike, the poisonous Kyrie Irving and Durant isn't healthy, and they're out in the second round. You know, they basically right. become what they were after they made the KG and Paul Pierce trade, which was a victory in a round. We forget that. But that was it. And then losing a soft five-game series to Miami. It's not that kind of failure. Or it's not Kyrie Irving. Everyone hates him in the locker room, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> and he's Darren Williams. But look, the oh. goal is to win an NBA championship. Exactly. That's the bar, man. And th- and that's so that's the decision that the Nets and Sean Marks made early on in this process, where they figured out, okay, we have D'Angelo Russell. That's a known asset that we have. It's an asset that we developed, and we can continue on the path with D'Angelo Russell, some cap space, and continue to grow our young guys. But what's the bar for that team? That they bar weren't going to win a title. Second round, right? right. Mm-hmm. This is a gamble. It's a pretty damn good gamble, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're getting, okay, Durant is injured, but while when healthy, top three player in the NBA. Kyrie Irving, probably the most dynamic offensive point guard. I'm not counting Steph Curry as a point guard, but, you know, Kyrie Irving, one of the most dynamic offensive point guards in the NBA. It's I don't even want to classify it as a gamble because this is you have to do this and it's a, it's a sure thing. This is so rare happening in the NBA and that's another interesting moment of this is that you know there's only been like two incidents incidents in the past 50 years of NBA history where guys of this magnitude have joined up together right. on one team. Of course, Miami with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. But like this is just stark and crazy the fact that. The Nets are the team doing this. You know, there have <laughs> been teams in the past that have had cap space, that have had aspirations Orlando, to do this. Orlando, they wanted Tim Duncan, Duncan. and Tracy McGrady. Or and they Hill. Right, right, right. They got two of them. They right. couldn't get it done. Sean right. Marks and the Nets got this done. Whether yeah. it was because Kyrie is so convincing to Kevin Durant, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No, they I got agree. It, it doesn't matter how they did. See, the, there are two aspects to this whole thing, all right? One aspect is we're the freaking Nets, and we took – the Nick blueprint that they talked about for six months that was thrown down all of our throats for six months. We took it, we turned it sideways, and stuck it straight up their derrieres. That's a big aspect here. The alteration of fandom in this town is a big deal. And and here's the truth. I'm not saying diehard Nick fans are going to become net fans. They're not. They shouldn't. The city's filled with a lot of casual fans. They will become net fans. But here's where it really hits me. When I went to high school, I was the only net fan. When my son goes to elementary school, he's two right now, he ain't going to be the only Net fan. Because Kevin Durant, whether they win a title or not, is going to alter that for a generation. Because there is now a generation of kids that don't know what Nick's success looks like. 
but they know and that adults and adult. You know what's <laughs> funny? And adults. Kevin Durant was ten when they were in the NBA Finals in 1999, right? So that alteration is a big factor here. The fact that Nets did it. The fact the Billy King trade was over our heads for years, mm. and Sean Marks pulled this off. The suffering of <laughs> Nick fans, not all, but some. Dolan having to really deal with this. All that's great. That's one aspect. The other aspect is what you said, and this is why I came around to it. I want to win a title. And as much as I love D'Angelo, and as much as Tobias would have been a great fit for this team, I don't know what the end game was with this cute unit they built last year. Was it ever going to be a championship team? And the odds were probably not. They could have been really good. Maybe like Portland, if they got the right matchups, they could have gotten to a conference finals. Maybe an NBA finals. Maybe. Doubtful. So I agree with you that they needed to do this because this gives them the best chance to win an NBA championship. I agree with that, and that's why it took me three weeks, and every day I would trickle. Mm. I trickled every day from I don't want to do it to eh, maybe, hell maybe, to by Saturday, I'm all in. By (laughs) Sunday, when I found out the news, I was drove off the freaking highway. Well, okay, think about this for a second. So I look back at the timeline. You know, I did this on my show, and I look back on the timeline of when we got this information. So we got, I think it was around, so free agency starts 6 p.m. on Sunday. Around 3.20, Woj tweets out something essentially like, uh, Kevin Durant is going to make his decision tonight. Mm. And while and we believed going in that that decision was going to be made later in the week, Thursday, Friday maybe. So, you know, we're going to be sitting there at barbecues on the 4th of July waiting for Kevin Durant to say <laughs> something. Twitter. Oh, my God. And, you know, just think about what my family would have thought about while I was looking at my phone <laughs> that entire week. But we get the word an hour and 20 minutes before he makes his decision that he's going to make a decision. Then we get a Mark Stein tweet about how the Nets are uber confident. <laughs> and that's the first word that the Nets were the front runners. And then Woj tweets out, Kevin Durant is joining the Nets. Within an hour and 20 minute span, mm. we go from not knowing that Kevin Durant's even going to make a decision to the decision being the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, Sunday was... I mean, I know that we don't hang banners for days at Barclays, but Sunday deserves a banner. The clean sweep of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan was, you know, we talk about DeAndre Jordan. That's an element of this. And, 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 you know, actually, that's like the most controversial part of like whether he's worth four years, 40 million. But who cares? KD tax. That's the the tax, right? The KD tax. That's the uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope that (laughs) that the Lakers paid to to get LeBron James. I mean, this is like. It, it all it all coming together in such a fast period of time. And again, as you said, this was the Knicks plan yes. to do all this. Yeah. They traded for DeAndre Jordan and kept him on the roster and didn't cut him to hopefully convince him that this was like the team that he should bring his friends to. And that didn't work. No. That, that didn't work. And now they have Taj Gibson and Julius Randle, you know? <laughs> yeah, best friends, KD, bringing in DeAndre Jordan. There's your pitch. Not happening. And when I, when I heard that Woj... Uh, tweet. I heard it on the radio. Somebody said it, and I was driving my car. That he was going to announce it. That night. he was going to announce it. Okay. And I got instant goosebumps all over my body, oh. and I just yelled in the car. You were confident? I, I wasn't. I don't know if I was confident, but I was like, we're going to find this out tonight. Yeah. This is happening tonight, and I had a major freak out in the car. Like, 
I need to know what time. I need to hear this. And then I, I'm driving, so I can't kind of keep track of everything on Twitter. My phone is just blowing up text after text after text. See this tweet. See this Mark Stein tweet. See this. I, I couldn't handle it all at once. It was yeah, an inc- the, it was just an incredible day. It really was. The Mark Stein tweet, and for those who didn't see it, before Woj announced Durant was coming to Brooklyn, was about the confidence coming out of Brooklyn. They were very confident. I saw it, did nothing for me. I got to be honest with you. It <laughs> did nothing for me because I become numb to believing anything that's said outside of Woj. And Shams is good, too. And I, I don't mean that as a knock on the other reporters, yeah, no. but Woj is the guy. So even when I saw, well, they're confident, I thought back to all the other times the net organization was confident. We're confident. Well. <laughs> We're going to get to meet LeBron. We're confident in this. Yeah. Confident in Dwight Howard. Confident in Carmelo. Carmelo's going to decide to come here. There was a lot of confidence over the years. I know it's a different administration, but I, it didn't do anything for me. But I would say the timeline of it. It wasn't, you know, we heard they're confident in April. They're confident in May. We're confident, and it's going to come in two right. hours. Well, there's a diff- To me, there was a different level of what confidence means because well, of the timeline. It, it was nice knowing we were going to get a conclusion. And I want all of us to share how we found out. And I'll tell you how I found out. Yeah. All right? I'm driving because I was going to go to City Field. I wanted my 1969 World Series ring, yeah. Mets Braves. And I was concerned that getting that news at City Field was a terrible sign. And I tweeted that out. I, <laughs> I thought that was. And I have one very bad net memory from City Field. It was the lottery where we just made the Gerald Wallace trade. And if you remember, it was protected one through five, I think, or one through three. One through three. One through three. Very good. Because it was a three player draft. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what Philly told us. Right. Yeah. So I watched the lottery at City Field, and I was so nervous because I hated the Wallace trade. It, you know, Billy King was on with me that day, and it, it didn't go well, put it that way. It haunt <laughs> me for a year. Yeah. But I hated it. And so I remember watching that lottery at City Field, and that gave me negative feelings about how this would work. <laughs> so I'm driving. I'm driving, and I'm flipping between various radio stations, and I come to our own radio station. I hear Richard Neal. I love Richard. Richard doesn't care about basketball. It's obvious. And Richard says, Wow. Well, <laughs> Kevin Durant has decided. I am now thinking, Richard Neer is going to tell me my future. <laughs> I can't believe this. And he's like, and this is exactly the way he does it, that son of a bitch. <laughs> he says, Kevin Durant is coming to New York. Oh, and he no. pauses. Oh. And I knew with the pause, I was like, I think he's going to say Brooklyn. <laughs> it, it, it didn't fool me because he didn't say the Knicks. If it was coming to the Knicks, I think he would have just said, he's coming, he's coming to New York. I look at my dad. I'm driving. I'm going to drive off the road. I said, what borough? What borough? And he's like, he's coming to Brooklyn. And I freaked out. And I almost drove off the hutch. Luckily, there was traffic. So I wasn't driving too fast. And I did yelp at a very high level. That's how I found out. How the hell did you find out? Well, so I live near where I live in Chelsea, which is where the I live on the street. The pride parade ended. Okay. So I'm with my wife, my mother-in-law, and my one-year-old son. We're navigating. I mean, if you've ever been through a parade in New York City, there's police barricades. There's police oh, everywhere. There's fun. people, especially Pride Parade, there's half-naked people everywhere. And <laughs> right. My son is just absorbing all of that into his eyes, which is phenomenal education. And I'm walking through this, and I'm looking at my phone because we have a 5 o'clock dinner. And we're wa- I'm walking with my phone, and I'm just looking down at my phone as people are all around me basically absorbing my son. And I'm thinking, like, so I see the Woj tweet, I see the Mark Stein tweet, and I'm trying to get through all of this parade, and I'm like, this is happening. And all I'm that jerk. 
I'm that jerk You're looking walking. down. I'm walking, <laughs> right. looking straight down at my phone as we're as I'm walking. And then the word that, and I'm like telling my wife, my wife doesn't care, you know, whatever. I mean, she wants the, she wants my podcast to do well. Like that's, <laughs> right, she's only right. thinking about, Rooting she's literally you, yeah. thinking about how my ad money is going to go up, which is this like. This will help, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's a big boost. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I'm, I'm telling her like, this may happen. This is like a thing that may happen. And then when it comes through, you know, the Marks, I was like, the Mark Stein tweet meant something to me, but it wasn't like, you know, we had been hearing about confidence forever. The fact that it was. Woj blankly saying Kevin Durant will sign with so the Brooklyn Nets. So you saw it. The reason I ask this is, you know, and I'll use Donald Trump as an example. I never actually see Donald Trump's tweets. I see people's reactions to Donald Trump tweets. I'll see them retweet it with mostly a negative comment, sometimes a positive comment, depending on who I'm following. Right. And the same thing is with Woj, because when Woj breaks a story, I don't necessarily see it straight from Woj. Sometimes I'm a minute late, and I see it from someone else retweeting it going, wow, or Woj bomb, or whatever. Ugh, yeah. You legitimately saw the Woj tweet. Yeah, I get, so I'm that loser who has Woj alerts every time Woj oh, tweets. Okay. I actually have, have one now fun. about was Tomas Sidoransky. So <laughs> I'm like, so, so I, I, that's how dependent I am on this Woj news. Like, I gotcha. need it immediately mm. in front of my eyes. Um, and I, to get that on my phone, in my notifications, I, I, I couldn't even think. So we were at dinner, and I was just tweeting. I we were eating ribs, and I had like rib sauce all over my phone because I was sending out tweets furiously. Um, just, just amazing. Like, uh, like again, we've been talking about, it, but like the feeling of that, the fact that like it's a reality, not just a a rumor, is like amazing. How'd you find out, bro? So after driving, I got back to uh, got back to my house. I've been seeing all these tweets come in and out. Put the phone down. Walk upstairs, go to the bathroom, come back down, look at my phone, and I'm on a group text message. The one that involves me? The one that involves oh, you. Okay. <laughs> and the one that involves our other Nets brother, Billy Jacalone. Yes. And I look down at my phone, and it's in all capitals, and it goes, we got him. And I sat there for like three minutes. I didn't go to Twitter. I didn't do anything. And I just sat there, and I go... I was just in a state of shock. Did you believe it? Because maybe he meant somebody else. I knew exactly what he <laughs> meant. Maybe he meant I Kyrie. Just, no, no, no. I just sat there and I was like, the Nets just signed Kevin Durant. And it didn't, like the emotion, I was just in such shock. I couldn't understand what had happened. Yeah. And I said, I went on Twitter. I saw it. I saw the Woj tweet. And I was like, they, they figured this out from three years ago, having no assets, no draft picks. Borderline NBA players to this moment, I was I I I couldn't a turnaround like that in three years. I, I the job, whatever happens moving forward, right. the job that that Sean Marks did and his staff, I mean that is remarkable. No, you're right. And even if this did end badly, and we can debate as we did earlier what's badly, this turnaround is remarkable. And I think back to Game Six against Atlanta in the first round, which was a a feisty series. They got it to 2-2. Darren Williams at his greatest moment as a net. 2-2. They lose a game five in Atlanta. Game six in Brooklyn, they got demolished. Yeah. They got beaten so bad that me and my wife left the game early. Because I said, <laughs> it's mathematically over. What are we doing? And I remember, think about when this is. This is April of 2015. Okay, it's four years ago. It's not that long, but four years ago. And I said to her, we are not going to be back in this building for the playoffs for maybe a decade. Yeah. And she said, how could you be so confident? I said, they got nothing. They don't have any picks. 
this roster that made the playoffs ain't that good. This is going to be really, really bad. And she doesn't know much, but she's supportive and said, I, I feel terrible. At least she got the Mets. Which at the time actually, <laughs> yeah, that worked out. Okay. <laughs> kind of, it was okay for a moment. It was, I mean, it got to a World Series, so it was fun. And the idea that they made the playoffs this past year, they were, that we were back in that building, and I had the same conversation. I said, to, I can't believe we're in this building for a playoff game. This is mind numbing and, and to a, me, and a little different feel, even though they lost in five. Very obviously with what's going forward. Very different feel to this to being able to land two of the three top free agents on the market, it's remarkable. And I understand that if anybody listening to this is not a Net fan, they're just curious. They pro- they could be mocking us. They could be. They could be saying, well, you guys celebrating. Guys got a tour to Achilles. You guys are a bunch of clowns. You don't freaking get it. The Nets a little brother, right? With the, the gum on the bottom of their shoes. And we took the Knicks' plan and shoved it down their throats and did it with no draft picks. And did it with Sean Marks looking like freaking Albert Einstein. This whole thing is amazing to me. Now, I get a little depressed. Because yeah. I think to myself, <laughs> Kevin Durant's not even going to play next I know, year. I know. Isn't that a little bit tough to deal with? And I think it'll become more real over the next few weeks that this grand prize that we won, we don't get to unwrap this present yeah. until October of 20-freaking-20. No, he'll come oh. back for the playoffs. No. You really believe <laughs> no, that? No, no, but that's going to be the discussion, right? <laughs> right. Unfortunately, we're, that's the burden of getting Kevin Durant is now we're going to have that those updates every two to three weeks. But the the fortunate part is that Sean Marks historically never updates anything about injuries. So true. So we're going to get no information, but like we're going to be told through sources that Kevin Durant maybe is back on the basketball court, and then maybe he may be putting up shots, and that he may be coming back for the playoffs it probably won't happen. Nine months is the, the span of time from which a guy usually comes back from Achilles. Nine right. months would put him back at the beginning of the playoffs. I'm not saying that's what they'll do. Well, the go Nets... on the record right now. Would you want him to come back in the playoffs? Yes. You I would, would. I would yes. not. Yeah, I wouldn't After either. what I saw with Golden State and how that ended. Absolutely. I, I, I can't. I couldn't handle seeing something like that no, happen again. I, you have to wait it and, out. And I think you have to. And this is what's going to be so odd about this season. This is a very odd season. This is why at first I was more against this than anything is what are we thinking this season, right? This should be a better team. My expectations are they're a better team. I will be disappointed if they're not a better team. If they won 42 games again, I'd be very disappointed. If they got knocked out in the first round, I'd be very disappointed. I expect my expectations are high 40s, get me to the second round. Well, I, I think I think the East has changed a little bit in the sense of, well, first we have to see what happens with Kawhi and if sure. he stays in Toronto. But I think teams one through eight have sandwiched together a little more and even themselves out. So, like, the Nets are in the conversation. The Celtics, I like what the Pacers did yesterday. The Sixers, uh, we'll see what happens, but they're definitely a top-tier team in the Bucks. So, I think there's a lot. One through eight are more crunched together. You know, the Nets, is a, the Nets might be a six seed again next year, but I think the difference between the six and the four will be very different next season than what we saw in this past year. Well, the amazing thing about the Nets, which makes them unprecedented in this sort of super team team up situation is the fact that they do have this base of young players that all can continue to improve and get better. So like, so we're going to have hopefully a full season of Karis LeVert. And if we had a full season of Karis LeVert last year, the team is better and has more wins. We're going to have an improved Jared Allen. We're going to have Spencer Dinwiddie more affirmed in his role as super six man or whatever he's going to be on this team. So, and Joe Harris is going to have, 
more open looks because Kyrie's getting ever, the basket mm-hmm. ever had in no his doubt. career. Yep, and the best backup big man. I mean, I don't know who starts who, who, but DeAndre Jared Allen is the best big man tandem this team has there had in is years. No doubt in my mind, and I'm sure this is something we'll get into as time goes on. But there is not a doubt in my mind that DeAndre Jordan's going to start. Jared Allen's coming off the bench. Yeah, that's not me endorsing it. That's me assuming that when you sign DeAndre Jordan a four-year deal. And he's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's buddy. And he has started his entire career. I think Jared Allen's still going to have a very significant role on this team. And I hope he doesn't get down about it. Because, hey, if DeAndre Jordan can't hit free throws in the final few minutes of games, he may not be on the floor anyway. He's not going to be. But I do think he's going to start. Yeah, but so that's the thing about Jared Allen is that, like, everyone else on this team, because their growth is so accelerated from the norm in the NBA, is that each of their roles have been shifted and the perception about them has been shifted. But, like, Jared Allen should not have played as much as he had played on a team as good as the Nets because he was he played one year at Texas, was a raw project coming out of Texas, and like proved immediately that he was useful. He's still a very much young developing player. Oh, yeah. He's just is like way better than he should be. I don't think it hurts his development at all, the fact that he's going to be playing bench minutes instead of starter minutes. He's still going to be out there with Kyrie at various times. Yep. He's going to be out there with Karis Avert. Him and Karis Avert had a really nice thing working together last year. I mean... You have, what, 48 minutes to play a center, uh, 24 and 24, or 28 and 20. He'll still get big minutes, It'll no be doubt. No, I agree yeah. with you on that. Um, yeah. and, and, and unfortunately, no more Ed Davis, so, you know, big yeah. fan of Ed. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but I'd rather have DeAndre Jordan no, than he's Ed a, Davis. He's a better version of Ed Davis in a lot of ways, and when he finishes around the rim, defends and scores, but, yeah, Ed Davis certainly became a fan favorite with everything he did, and was a crucial part of why they lost that Sixer series oh, when yeah. they went out and got injured. No doubt about it. I, I certainly feel that way. And you knew to make this happen, there were going to be changes. And obviously, it starts with D'Angelo Russell. And I can't say enough positive things about D'Angelo Russell. He will probably be one of the most impactful two-year players on a team I've rooted for th- that I've ever had. Because he's part of the reason why these guys came. I know. You know, he really is because I, I am convinced, and you know, maybe we'll get an answer when Kyrie and Kevin talk to the media. But I think the Nets, being a playoff team, winning 42 games, contributed to them saying, "Hey, they're well run. There's a playoff team. The Knicks won 17 games, and a big part of why they made the playoffs, especially in the second half of the year when Kenny wasn't benching him in the fourth quarter of games, was D'Angelo Russell. But we knew this was going to be a casualty of this. Jared Dudley, Damari Carroll." Ed Davis, they were perfect veterans for where that team was. But if that's the only casualties, and Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie or Adonius Karutz and even Donon Musa, if all of those guys are back and really the only key core guy they lost is D'Angelo Russell and they're able to add what they've added, I mean, that's a hell of a win. They didn't change the core of this team And I think there was a fear for a while they were going to have to, that they were going to have to trade Joe Harris or even Spencer Dinwiddie. And as of this moment, unless things change, they pulled it off. And you add Prince as well. So you get that. You get him coming back. You get him coming, which will be a nice addition. I don't think any – they always talk about the NBA being a business. And you don't – sometimes you're like, yeah, I I guess I understand. I I see what you mean. But I think yesterday with D'Angelo Russell just signifies how the NBA is a business. We brought in this player. He helped build our culture. He helped make us better. But we had to make a real business decision, and we had to get rid of you because, well, we had to get players that were better than you, even though you're the reason that we're in this position. You, you, you just have to realize, hey, that's the way it works. And for Russell, I, if there was a place I wanted him to go, I am so happy to see him in Golden State, not with the Knicks, not in the Eastern Conference, get to the West, 
It's a core group of guys over there. He'll be third or fourth down the line. I'm very happy with him there. I, di- I, I didn't have that anxiety of him in the garden, which would have really bothered me. But let's fast forward two years from now. Okay, Kevin Durant has played a full season with the Nets. Kevin Durant from Golden State. D'Angelo Russell, let's say his growth continues while he's at Golden State playing next to Steph Curry while Klay Thompson's out for a year. Klay Thompson's back with Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell meeting up in the NBA <laughs> Finals against Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. Sign I mean, me up. already that would be like that's yeah. Avengers Endgame level team up. <laughs> that is amazing. That, I mean, you know, possibility. And, you know, it's actually a pretty strong possibility with how too that, good the yeah, two teams never are. And you know what? That's okay. I mean, honestly, that's right. okay. If we're facing him in the NBA Finals, <laughs> I'll sign for it uh, because the fear of him going to the Knicks was real. And I guess D'Angelo Russell may not have had an interest in going there, especially when he had a chance to go to Minnesota and team up with Carl Anthony Towns or go to the Warriors. And apparently the Knicks weren't interested. And what's happened to the Knicks is a huge part of this. It is. Because what really bothered me when the Nets moved to Brooklyn is they had a good year that year, obviously. You know, they were a good team. They were four seed. Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Gerald Wallace. They were Brooke Lopez. They were a good team. But what always ate me up that year is the Knicks were better. They just were. They won more games. They got to the next round. And I had a very difficult time enjoying the first year in Brooklyn because of my inferiority complex to the Knicks. They were the team. They were having the best year they had had in a decade. And it coincided with the Nets' return to at least relevance. That made it difficult that year. We don't have that now. It did feel good yesterday. I'd be lying to you if I said, oh, you know, it's about the Nets. It felt really good. Yeah. I can't tell you the Nick fan that just abused the Nets. Kyrie and KD, I mean, stop it. You're having a nice year. Karras is a nice player. All right, cute story. We get it. But we're the Knicks. And seeing yesterday the fan in complete shock and understanding that – the Nets just beat them for those two guys. Felt really, really good. And I think it's oh, yeah. it's the casualty of them tanking. Because if you think about, I mean, I totally agree with that. Go because on. because the Knicks tried to have their cake and eat it too by tanking to get Zion and then hopefully bring in Kyrie and Kevin Durant. They were so horrible that it left just a massive dumpster fire for when Kyrie and KD are sitting down and looking at where they want to be at. There's no way in any basketball sense they could have wanted to be at the Knicks because the Knicks destroyed all credibility that they had because they wanted Zion. And if it would have paid off and they got Zion Williamson, then like that would have worked out and maybe that changes their decision. But because the Knicks tried to do two different things at once, which is be a premier free agent destination while being the worst team in basketball, that ruined their chances. And as you were talking about with D'Angelo Russell propped up the Nets to this level, which he did, the Nets because they couldn't tank made the decision that we're going to be as good as we possibly can be and never tank because we can't, there's no benefit to us. Actually well, this, this year, there would have been this year. Would but have been it. I, I was, I went into this and season, that was a debate by the way, at eight and 18. Season. Well, yeah. at eight and 18, it was certainly in our minds because it looked like the season was going nowhere. I mean, at eight and 18 in my brain, I was thinking this team's going nowhere, not to tank. I'm never a fan of tanking when they went 12 and 70. I never once rooted for them to lose games because I understand how odds work, okay? 25% doesn't guarantee a damn thing. It certainly didn't get us John Wall, and it didn't get them at a lower percentage, Zion Williamson. I think tanking is stupid. I don't think tanking's ever worked. I hear Philadelphia mentioned as a situation where it worked. They had to tank so many times in a row, <laughs> right. and they missed out on a lot of them. And the Spurs, 
that was two decades ago, the whole Tim Duncan thing. So I completely agree. And it was frustrating around here because as the Nets were winning games and becoming relevant, I had to hear Nick fans celebrate every loss. And I thought it was stupid. And I would even say that to them. Like, I don't really think this is healthy. I think, not that I'm saying you want to win every game like it's life or death, but I think you want to see progress. I think progress matters. I think players see that. I think winning 17 games, in our case, winning 12 games, these guys notice that. And so I've always thought, not just from a percentage standpoint, but from a perception standpoint, tanking is really stupid. And yet it's talked about as a fact that it's smart to do. And what I always say to them is, show me the good teams around the league. How'd they get there? How'd the Raptors get there? How'd the Warriors get there? How'd the Trailblazers get there? How'd the Nuggets get How'd they get there? Did they tank? But, but, but Philly, but Philly. It's the only example people have, and I get it. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, I get it. But what about Nerlens Noel? What about Markel Fultz? What about that? So I, I completely agree with you. I think the Nick tanking may have cost him in this And what was thing. so cool about the whole thing was while they're doing all this, the Nets quietly doing everything differently. Mm-hmm. Culture's being built playing hard every night, bringing in guys that were part of the culture and were good people and that they believed in would fit in the systems. And then at the same time, Sean Marks is build, getting assets. He's building cap space. So he's doing essentially what the Knicks were doing with trying to, to get all that money. But at the same time, when nobody's talking about it, you don't see any you know owner going on a radio show and talking about it. They did everything the right way. They let their actions speak louder than their dumb words. And ultimately, it worked out. And, and if you think about it, there's a fourth guy that was allegedly signed by the Nets last night, Garrett Temple, right. which is so Nets that they – I mean, I so I'm, I was grew up a Wizards fan, so I'm intimately familiar with Garrett Temple – Great locker room presence, versatile player, defender, can shoot threes. It's like even in all the hubbub of getting Durant and Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, Sean Marks still makes this like small margins move that's going to help them out in the regular season, particularly because they're going to be a little undermanned. On the next edition that you come on with us, we're going to have to explore that sentence. Yeah, you I was just, just thinking the same exact I thing. I grew up as a Wizards fan. I'm not going to get into it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But prepare that for the next time you're on. I do appreciate you coming on. And Thank you. I want to tell everybody, listen to you guys' podcast. You do a great job. Mike and Brian, the glue guys. I enjoy you guys. I could not sleep Sunday night and a Monday, partially because of Durant, partially because my son woke up crying and freaking out. I listen to your entire episode, and I really enjoy you guys. All right, thank you so much. I, I, this is awesome. This is like a beautiful Nets powwow that we do. It's the opposite <laughs> of sitting Shiva. It's like it's yeah. a beautiful celebration. <laughs> what a moment. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Biseglia, producer of Moose, uh, Taz and the Moose on the CBS Sports Network. There will be more Nets podcasts throughout the next couple of days and weeks as we kind of let it all sink in. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.